And welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vincent. I'm here with Stevie D. Stevie D, we are still missing a couple of guys here to this podcast. They're MIA. Do we need to send the search dogs out for them? Well, you know, one's got the Super Bowl hangover just devastated, devastated <laughs> that they got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. And we haven't seen them since, right, since the Super Bowl, right? So I, I don't know. I was going to do a well check uh, for him. And then, and then our other cohort, I, I mean, they trade Carson Wentz and, and, and we don't hear from him no more. I, I, he's, he's, he's in deep depression over Carson Wentz going to the Colts that uh, he doesn't know what to do. I think um, it started before this, though, CBD. I think it was when he realized uh, who's in your top six and he realized Carson wasn't in his top six. You know, <laughs> that, that's fair. I didn't think about that one. Yeah, I didn't go that far back. That's a good one. You're right. I think the fans hammered him on that yeah, one. Yeah, oh, yeah, they did. <laughs> Who's in your six? Yeah, actually, when you think about it, we just got to change it to who's in the bottom six, and oh. then he'd be in there, right? Oh, oh. That, that may ring the bell for him. You, you know he's got to protect his boy. So Now, is he going to stay an Eagle fan, or is he going to become an Indianapolis Colts fan? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give it to him. I think he'd stay an Eagles fan. But if anybody was outside of Philly was going to win the Super Bowl, he'd want the, now the Colts to win the Super Bowl so he could say, look, I told you he was a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Can you do that, though? I mean, there's rules to being a fan. Can you do that? Does that allegiance break once that player leaves your team? I, it would for me. I, I don't really, really root for players that, unless they really got a, a super raw deal. I mean, you became a Bills fan because of Andre Roberts, right? Who? That has that that has been. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought. I think did. you're. I think you're happy he's gone. Who are you kidding? I yeah. am. Oh, I am. And they had the rumors like, "Oh, bring him back." I'm no, absolutely not. You know, you you talk about bust signings, and people get you say what you will. That yeah, he had the moniker of being an All Pro, but he was with the Jets. You know, he had the magic of the Jets that made him an All Pro, and he goes to Buffalo and he he can't make it. He still made All Pro with the Bills. Yeah, but he was never. I don't know. He he was not a game changer, right? If if you're gonna hold, like, give me a Devin Hester. Right, that's a game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Give me Devin Hester. Hold on a minute. Let me go just pull one out of the hat. <laughs> you just pull out a Devin Hester. Uh, Dante was it Dante Hall? Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give me a game changer like that, and then I'll say, "Ooh, you should have kept him." For the for the most part, these guys are all averaging about fourteen yards of return. Every once in a while, you get some guy that you know is seven yards deep and says, "Oh, I can make it," and gets to the twelve. <laughs> Yeah, you get that guy, and, and you just shake your head. And then he has one where he breaks it, and, and then it, you know that's supposed to make up for the forty other returns that were inside the twenty. No, but you know, I I never really saw anything from him. I'm gl- you know, I wish him all the best in, in his new endeavors. But uh, I I like what the Bills did, and they kept uh, Isaiah McKenzie. They re-signed him, and so he's the one that has, to me, has that shake. He's the one that has that little bit of burst. And, you know, actually, he took that punt return back for a touchdown last season. So we'll see. But speaking of re-signing players, Stevie D, 
the new league year is in place and the pre-tampering period expired and the tampering period expired. I, I, I don't get the whole tamper and pre-tamper and, you know, legal tampering, by the way. I don't get all that. Is that an oxymoron? It really is. <laughs> it, it really is. Because no matter what time it is, you know, as soon as they say, okay, you can announce, teams are announcing these players. It's, it makes no sense. But we, we saw a little bit of activity. We thought it was going to be flying all over the place. Quarterbacks changing. We thought we'd see edge rushers changing, receivers and running backs. We didn't really see all of that, right? Some of the bigger names were guys that were already released. You look at a guy like J.J. Watt, who was coveted by 31 of the 32 teams, and, you know, he ends up signing his deal, which was a little bit of a surprise to to everybody. Uh, but, you know, you, you really didn't see a whole lot of players going to different teams. They're staying with their same team. Yeah, when you think about it, the top nine, right? The top nine all re-signed with their teams. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, that's really, in recent memory, I don't recall, you know, the top nine all coming back because they normally would get a big payday from somewhere else. Um, I mean, I look at the money like Trent Williams got. I can't believe the payday he got at his age. Um, Agreed. Now, I think that's a team-friendly deal where it looks massive on paper, but when you break down the contract, I think the 49ers can get away pretty scot-free if, if they want to go in a different direction earlier. Um, I, I mean, he got he got paid a, a large amount. I mean, finally, Dak got paid. Um, it's good to see him, him get paid. Um, hey, Jerry crying about it. Jerry, Jerry. oh God. You, you know who else? You know who else uh, threw up some big numbers, but it is so massively team friendly. Is Taysom Hill, right? You you saw that? Oh contract. yeah, that, yeah, the fake contract. I don't even know what to call that contract. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? <laughs> he's not even a quarterback. He's not a wide receiver. Yeah, he's a utility. He's a utility knife type guy, right? Jim Jensen. Yes. Yes. I'll go with that. Yeah. Jim Jensen, Ooh. I don't think, played too much quarterback, but Jim Jensen was that ultimate utility player for the Dolphins in the 80s and 90s, I think. Yeah, I will go with that. Probably more 80s and 90s, but yeah. Wow, there's a name for you. Yeah. Our Dolphins fans should be all excited that you threw that one out there. Yeah, yeah. I hated him. I hated Jim Jensen. <laughs> I hated his neck roll that he used to wear. Oh, oh yeah. Not, not a fan. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I, again, sorry, CBD. I got to talk about my bills. Oh, sorry about it. Here we go. I thought we were losing Matt Milano. I thought that that was a done deal. And I was already preparing who else is out there from a linebacker position that we're going to get to fill that hole. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, we just got to the point where the defense was starting to play more like it had done two years ago, right? Because the first half of the season was just atrocious. And one of the key reasons, the key factor was Milano was back healthy, right? Yeah, you know, Kelsey abused him in that AFC championship game. But still, uh, he's a valuable piece. And I thought he was gone. Dead to rights thought he was yeah, gone. Yeah, you, you said that over and over again. Um that, that he was going to be gone. Honestly, I, I thought the Bills had done a, a really good job of re-signing their own players and, and making, finding money, ways to, to make the money work. 
that they really does have a lot of cap space and they rework some deals and we're able to free up the space and that's all Brandon Bean. Yeah. That is all Brandon Bean. And of course, Milano's tweet that he sent out to Bills fans. Epic. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. That that's the PG version. Uh maybe maybe we'll put up the the uh not safe for work version <laughs> on our website. But no, but yeah. no, it's a, no, what I thought was interesting, Leonard Williams on the return back to the Giants. Three years, $63 million. I don't see him as a $21 million a year player. Right. I mean, he, he got paid. Um, and I think Gettleman, the GM for the Giants, had to do that deal. There was no way he could have um, tagged him twice without giving him a long-term deal or letting him walk without a long-term deal uh, because of the trade with the Jets to get him and the draft picks they gave up to get him. Um they had no choice but to sign him. I just can't believe it, it's it's three years, sixty three million dollars for Leonard Williams. I, I like the big cat. I just I don't see him as a twenty one million dollar a year player. Um, I look at Shaq Barrett, right, who got four years, seventy two to return yeah. to, to to Tampa. I, I give me Shaq Barrett over Leonard Williams all day long, and I I think it's a better deal for for the Bucks. Um, By far, that that's somebody who I I really wanted. Um, I think that he's proven himself, you know, and it wasn't just a fluke, right? He he had a slow start to this year, but, you know, what did he have, 18, 19 sacks last year? And, you know, this year seemed a little a little slow, but when it was time to, to really put forth that effort to, to put up those numbers, he did that in the second half of the year for the Buccaneers. And, you know, for him to be out there, I was like, oh, yes, go get him. And uh, somehow – Jason Light figured out a way to keep him and all the rest of the yep. free agents that they had uh, in Tampa Bay. And, you know, just like, you know, mentioned the Bills and the other teams, the Buccaneers, I mean, how they work that cap to keep everybody there is, you know, it's just, just incredible. You, you know, it's a big surprise, though, Stevie D. Uh, you know, in, you know, JB's not here to talk about this, is kind of the dismantling of that offensive line in Kansas city. Yeah, but they rebuilt it real quick. So how did they rebuild that? So the, um, so to recap, they, they cut Schwartz, they cut Eric Fisher. And, Former number one pick. Yes. 2013, I believe who uh, ironically. Yeah. Uh, my son and I uh, were at the airport and he just, I guess he got off the plane and was waiting um, and, he, and he had a chief's hat on. It was a big dude. <laughs> and I said, I, I wonder if that's Eric Fisher. Cause it was literally right after the draft. Cause you know, once you get drafted on day one, you know, they fly you out. Right. And so Richard and I went, we, we did a Google check. Yeah. We lined up the face. I'm like, sure enough. That was Eric Fisher. We went up, had a conversation with him and his father for about five minutes. And he was a super nice kid. His dad was pretty cool. And, um, and uh, so we got to meet him. And then I think they cut uh, a third offensive lineman. The name is escaping me um, of the third lineman that they cut. But in that cut, they had two guys. One was out through injury. They, I think they both used the COVID tag for 2020. Uh, so they have two linemen returning, second-year players returning from the COVID list here in 21. But they went out and signed the prize free agent offensive lineman of, of this year's class and Joe Thune 
uh, for five five years, eighty million dollars, which that came out of nowhere. I mean, Tooney was not on anybody's radar for the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and they just threw him a boatload of money, and he took that deal. Why not? You're getting paid, and you're going to, uh, you know, twice uh, two years in a row in the Super Bowl, um, and then they went they had, which surprised me. They got Kyle Long out of retirement to play tackle. So that wouldn't surprise me. So they 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 cut Fisher and Schwartz. They signed Thune and, and Kyle Long, and they have two linemen coming back from the COVID list that they they like very much. So when you think they, they cut the line, but they, they got some people back in. So they're gonna be just fine on the offensive line. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh but, you know, when you win a Super Bowl, it, it's kind of easy yeah, to get no people doubt. to you know, but you know, just, they didn't get it on hometown. They didn't get a discount because they're, you know, uh, you know, a playoff team right now every year, right? And and a team that the last three years is two Super Bowls and uh, and, and then the, the the year before that they lost to New England, right? So they've been in the championship game three years in a row, and then the Super Bowl two years in a row. So I, I, not only did you get the player, you paid him. You know, you think you'd get like, well, I'll go to Kansas City Chiefs, we don't have to pay you top dollar because you're going to want to come here. But somehow and they got it done. So that, that was a really, really great signing by the Kansas City Chiefs. But you know what signing was the funniest signing? I, I couldn't stop laughing. On Joe Flacco. Well, that was, yeah. Well, that's a different story. Whenever <laughs> Joe Flacco signs with anybody, that's a funny story. Uh, because I, I he's just garbage. But uh, sorry, Joe. Um, to me, the Allen Robinson signing his franchise tag is the funniest thing move of all time. So the uh, Bears bring in Kenny Galladay in for a visit. Man, within hours, Allen Robinson signs that franchise tag. He was not fooling around. He was not fooling around. He's like, okay, well played, well played, Kevin Pace, well, Ryan Pace, well played. And, and then he signed it. Once I saw that, I, was, I, I couldn't stop laughing because they, they brought in another wide receiver, and he's like, oh, heck no, I'm going to get my money right now. And, and, and he signed this franchise tag. So I thought that was pretty funny. And now Galladay goes to the Giants. Yeah, with, you know, look at look at all the weapons the Giants have. I mean, they have legitimate wide receivers. We're not talking. I mean, they may not have an elite tier like they had with with Beckham, but they they have a solid receiving core. You have Evan Ingram, and of course, you have Saquon Barkley. There's no excuse for Daniel Jones. None. Yeah, None. I have to, they they brought back Solder on a redone deal. Um, you know, but to me, you know, I don't know how good their offensive line is, and I don't know if they've if they've lost anybody. I know they restructured Solder's deal, but I, I think it all starts up front. But you're right, they, he has weapons. He does now. But what worries me about Galladay is his health. He hasn't been one of those 16 game guy a year uh, throughout his career. I mean, it, he just hasn't been. But he is a producer when he's on the field. There's no doubt about it. When he's on the field, that guy makes plays. But he's not going to be the focal point, though, right? You had Marvin Jones there. Marvin Jones just decided that he was going to start getting hurt all the time. And, and Galladay really was that focal point. Now, now you have uh, other guys out there that can kind of relieve some of that coverage. And, and you know, hopefully you stay healthy. You know, I, I, and honestly, I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but and the New England Patriots. Uh, they spent more money this year 
then I think they spent what they, they made a joke. And so in 10 years, they spent $400 million in free agents. Right. And, and this offseason, I think they're up to 180 in this one offseason alone. I just looked at that. I just couldn't believe it. You want to talk about chasing Tom Brady. The question is, is how who's who's more pissed, Kraft or Belichick? Because somebody decided to open up their purse and, and, and start signing checks. Because I, I that's just unbelievable. I mean, when when you look at the names of the players, I mean, you know, you have two tight ends making eighty-seven, eighty-eight million dollars. <laughs> what? Trying to recreate and, the Gronk and, 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 and Hunter Henry. It, absolutely, that that's absolutely what they're going for. The one that the one that really is surprising is Nelson Aguilar. I I just don't see him being, you know, worth all that money. I just don't yeah. see it. It was now, like two, two years, twenty six million. I think he got. Yeah, it's a it's a two year deal. So, you know, you kind of figure out what's going to happen there, but but still, I think that that money could have been spent somewhere else. Kendrick Bourne getting a three year fifteen. Uh, you know, again, are you just spending to spend? But of course, really, their their big signings came on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not talking about Kyle Van Noy. You know, we saw that that handwriting was on the wall. He was coming home. I'm talking about the guy who decided he was going to go up I-95 and, and leave the confines of New Jersey and go and go to Foxborough. I'm talking about Mr. Henry. I'll knock down a kicker, Anderson. <laughs> well, we cut him. You know he. He uh, he had the one year for the Jets and he got paid and he hasn't been he's been a shell of himself. But yeah, it is funny that he went up to New England. I'm I'm not a fan of that guy. He he just like all the rest that that I, I like to bash on Al Michaels, Hugh Jackson, all of them. You know he he is now joining that board. I should have a board with just the faces of you know the people that really irritate me. Right. Hugh, you know, he will forever be the top dog of that group. Uh, Al Michaels, just because you hate the Bills and you hate Buffalo. So Al goes up there. But I just, I, you know, for those that don't know, Stephen Hauschka was kicking, it was an extra point or a field goal. It was something. It was a field goal. It wasn't an extra point. It, it was something inconsequential. And here comes Henry Anderson with this hip check to, to Hauschka. Why? There was no reason for it. He had already kicked. And then next thing you know, Hauschka was never the same. He got he was injured. Uh, he came back, and his kicking was subpar after so, that. I mean, he was, they used to call him cash money in Buffalo. And then – S-O-F. Well, yeah, oh, he may be soft, but, you know, a guy can't go after another offensive lineman, can't go after a running back. He's got pads on. Uh, he's got pads on. on. He have pads on. He may have a helmet on, but he doesn't have pads on. Nobody's complaining when Ed Tall Jones was 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 tackling small running backs. Hey, they were on the football game. field. It was a different game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just you don't touch the kicker, right? They they have more they have more uh, um, rules in the game built into the game for their safety. Than anybody else, you can't you can't touch those guys. Speaking speaking of kickers, speaking and I'm moving away from the NFL. 
I need to give a shout out to Matt Petro. <laughs> I, I think that was his name. Petrovich. Matt is a guy who was on our podcast last year. Come to find out, Matt was a kicker for the Florida Gators DVD. Oh, my God, that guy. You have got to watch the highlight clips of Petrovich. I uh, gotta, was, how, do you know how to spell his last name? Oh, just look up Petro. Don't ask me how to spell Petro. Because I saw that film. Dude, that guy's a beast. But just He's look up Petrovich. Beast. If you just look up Petrovich, oh, let me, let me tell you. What, what made him special, and, and for our Florida Gator listeners who, who remember him, uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll appreciate this. But what made him special is that when he would kick, and he would do the kickoffs, he would kick it so high in the air, and he'd kick it high and kick it deep. But it gave enough time for the coverage team to get all the way down there. So you, you got this returner that's back there waiting on his ball to come down. By the time he catches it and, and they're ready to take off and go upfield, the, the coverage team is already down there. The kicker's already down there. And he's already down there. That's right. Laying people out, laying returners out. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this the same guy that was on our podcast? Is this the same guy that was in our fantasy football league? Oh yeah, take a take a look at that. That that is that is something special, something to behold. He, he's a good guy too, by the way. Uh, you know, I, I do some things with him outside of the podcast, and you know, very good guy. But I'm gonna tell you, great, crazy, <laughs> crazy. That's not that's not a kicker mentality. And what he used to, what he was telling me is that you know he actually was was a linebacker, but had the ability to kick. So. He had to, he was a kicker with that linebacker mentality, and that's why he was getting down there making those sticks. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Yo, can we bring it back to the NFL real quick? I uh, definitely. AJ Green signs with the Cardinals. One year, I think it was eight million dollars. Larry Fitzger- Fitzgerald is unsigned. If what I'm trying to understand, and I know Larry Fitzgerald's numbers the last three years is not the Larry Fitzgerald we always remember. But I don't I don't know why you would sign an off injured AJ Green hmm. and not bring back Larry Fitzgerald unless Larry told him I'm undecided, do what you have to do and sign whoever you have to do. I just haven't made up my mind yet. In, right? in maybe fairness, maybe there's a private conversation there. In fairness, D V D He's Larry Fitzgerald. You you have that roster spot that's open for him. Yeah, I, I I'm just I was shocked when I heard AJ Green to the Cardinals, and when I did a little digging, Larry's not signed. And I'm like, why would you take a guy in AJ Green? No doubt about it. First seven years, he was trend he was trending Hall of Fame. AJ Green first seven years, last three. Yeah, where where's he been? He's been hurt. And Larry he plays every game. And I, I okay, he didn't play all 16 last year, but but typically in his career, you could count on him for just about 16 games a year. So I, I was just, you know, AJ Green, you put a thumb on him and, and his knee hurts, right? So I, I just don't I didn't understand that. Again, only if Larry gave the blessing to say, do what you have to do, I, I just haven't decided. I, I just think that's kind of odd. That uh, that Larry didn't get a little bit more 
attention from the Cardinals. A little love. Yeah. So, Stevie D, you know, if we look at who's out there, some of the bigger names that are out there that's left, right? And, you know, obviously these guys are either going to take a, have to take a real hometown discount to come back to uh, their 2020 team, uh, or they're going to be signing elsewhere. There, there's a couple names that I'll just throw out there. Um, let me know your thoughts on a couple of these guys. The first one is Alex Smith. We, we all know the story on Alex Smith. Um, but at the end of the day, we're talking about a 37-year-old quarterback. Ha, has he played his last down in the NFL? Yes. Yes, because I, I really do. You know, and I think Ron Rivera came out recently and said, and he admitted to Alex Smith, and I think he finally came out publicly, he was terrified to play him. Right. Like he admires the heart. How could you not admire what the man has gone through and how he fought and clawed all the way back to get just to make training camp, let alone what he did in the regular season. Right. But you saw in the in, when he played, f- some folks were afraid to hit him because you, all you're doing is thinking about your leg. I, I just remember Aaron Donald basically holding him up as he's trying to sack him. It was the most weird seeing on the, seeing that on the field was just so weird um, that he's trying to sack him, but yet he's holding him by the jersey, not putting him down to the ground. Um, I, I just think if I'm another franchise, I don't want to be the guy that puts him in a wheelchair the rest of his life. Sure. I don't know if I'd want to take that chance. And I think the Redskins were so desperate at quarterback that they had no choice but to put him on it. Like, I think they wanted him on the roster to for him because every how hard he worked to get back, so they put him on the roster. Because um, when you think about it, he was the best quarterback on their roster, but he was number three on the depth chart for the longest time on that roster. And so it's not until they had to play him is when they played him. And he was five and one. But again, he's one little bit of a hit, and he's gone. Now, could you sign him as a, as a backup? To right to as an insurance, but let's say Buffalo, right? I know you got Mitch, right? Could you have signed Alex Smith to a to a one year deal to back up Josh Allen? Yeah, I probably could do that, but I don't know if I could sign him to be my full time, everyday quarterback. So because you, I don't believe he could last sixteen games. You you bring up a great point there. So does he stick around in the NFL as a backup for uh, like a Justin Herbert? Uh, does he stay as a backup for a Tua Tunga Vailoa? You know, what some of the rookie quarterbacks, even a Daniel Jones we talked about, does he stay as a backup for one of those guys? Uh, maybe even the third quarterback, kind of like when you had Brunel, right? Didn't didn't you have yeah, for uh, Mark Sanchez? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, you have somebody, a veteran like that, uh, who who can really understand what's happening on the field and slow it down for the rookie. Is that the play for? I mean, obviously his days as a starter are gone. I mean, you get cut by a team that does not have a quarterback. <laughs> I, I think we can officially say that you're done, right? And, and all the big signings have gone by the wayside. So now we really are looking at a backup position. Is that the right play, though? I think I think uh, it's the right play for a team. I don't think Alex will ever see himself as a backup um, because in his mind, he went five and one last year and the injury that he got at the end of the year was to the non injured leg, but it's not the point. 
right? Injuries happen every day in the National Football League. And how many players get hit in the leg? Quarterbacks get hit in the leg, but they have a normal functioning leg. And they can shake it off. Can Alex Smith do that same thing? I, I don't know. I don't know enough about his medical reports. But I can tell you if I was a GM, I wouldn't take that chance. I don't want to be the I don't want to be the guy that that uh, has to go to Alex and say I'm sorry. Sure. So here, here here's another name for you, Jadavian Clowney. Um, the problem with Clowney is he wants too much money, I believe. And I don't know if he's willing. He'll get signed somewhere if he wants to play football. But I think he'll be one of those training camp signing guys right around training camp on another one-year deal to go play for somebody for basically peanuts. Uh, yeah. Somebody will sign him. He's too talented not to be signed. But he's he's going to be a, a late signee for for – Four to five million dollars. So this is where I struggle with somebody like like a Jadavian Clowney. And first of all, Jadavian built his name just like Odell. Odell Beckham built his name based off of a catch, right? He, he was drafted in the first round by the tenth pick. He wasn't in in that in that big group, and people were thinking, you know, Evans and Watkins were were the names that were going back and forth in that draft. And then here comes Beckham with this one-handed catch and just vaults past everybody else, right? I'm not denying his ability. I'm not. Uh, but he, he's his career is predicated on that catch. When you look at uh, a Jadavian Clowney, right, what sets him apart? Well, it's his highlight clip from when he was at South Carolina and he blew up the Michigan running back, you know, seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. That, that was his clip. Right. That's what everybody was like. Oh, he's a man child. He's a beast. He's going to do this and he's going to do that. He's had a good he's had a good career. But I think that he is putting his his figures, his salary based on a, a hope or a glimpse of what people think he can be versus what he's actually done. If you look at through his career, he's never obtained double-digit sacks, right? You you thought that he was just going to be this menace getting through the line doing all of that. He really hasn't had a full 16-game season, right? So I'm looking at this guy, and, you know, if you're holding out for the, for the big salary, the big payday, you're misguided. You, you are completely misguided, and in a case like that, you know, you may have to settle it for exactly what you're talking about. Signing during training camp. And when you sign during training camp, you know, you do and make the best out of it and sign a one-year deal to hope that you get the multi-year deal after that. He's only 28, right? So he's still young to be able to hit that big payday. But this year, I, I don't see it. Honestly, I don't see him ever hitting that payday because uh, even at his, his best years, again, he didn't have the double-digit sacks. I never looked at him as a um, uh, necessarily a game changer. Now, in those two years, uh, you know, 21 tackles for a loss, 16 tackles for a loss. I mean, that's not awful. Uh, I just don't look at him and say he's that that game changer. Um, and he was on part of a loaded loaded uh, Texans team there. I think it was the one year Watt, Watt got hurt, so it puts more pressure on Clowney to be better when you lose a guy like Watt on the other side. But I, I don't look at it when he when he came out of for free agency wasn't that after 2018, yeah. when he was getting traded to Seattle. He wanted like 18 million dollars a year, and I'm like, 
he's not an eighteen million dollar a year guy. Like, I, I just think he gets bad. You know, we talk about this often. You got somebody in your corner that's pumping you up and giving you bad in, intel. And I don't know if that's his agent. Oh, dude, you're you're worth X. You can get this. We can get this to you on the market. And so he's like, all right, go get it for me. And then it's just not there. Like, I think he just has unrealistic expectations, probably because of people that are in his corner telling him what he should be making. Yep. Well, here's the last one for you, CBD. All right. And that's Richard Sherman. Uh, he's going yeah. to the Jets. <laughs> well, he may because he he checks all the boxes, right? Yeah, I, I think he's he's holding out hope for that multi-year contract type of deal. Uh, but at his age and 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 some of the past injuries he's had in the last few years, he's a um, a four. And I'll say again, like four million dollar guy. Uh, Is he maybe a on, on, you know that, that I, I'm tall. I I don't know. I don't know enough about his career in fairness, um, partially because I don't like him because he like he went after my boy Revis. You know, I don't think Sherman was anywhere near the caliber of corners Darrell Revis. Um, Revis could cover anybody anywhere on the field, whether it's the slot. If your wide receiver's up top, Revis will go there. If your wide receiver goes to the bottom, he'll go there. If your wide receiver went into the slot, he went there. Sherman just played the top, and that's it. And 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 if – that wide receiver went to the other side of the field. He didn't go. So I, I look at Sherman, and I, I just – I don't put him in the Darrell Revis class. I'm sorry. Um, you know, his high of interceptions was basically his second and third year of the season or of his career. Um, but you, you know, know what? Interceptions are nice. Don't give me – Revis was not an interception guy. But what happened was they just stopped throwing over there. Well, this uh, is true. But it, but even that, even if he didn't intercept the ball, he didn't allow the wide receiver to catch it. This is true. Right. So I, I can't kill Revis. It, it drove me nuts in the middle of a game when it hits you in your freaking hands. And you're like, how could you not catch it? And but that's when why you're, you're a corner and not a wide receiver, I guess. When you're trying to get in the hall, they, they want to look at the numbers. Yeah, I, I think Revis, uh, I think Revis uh, defies the interception number. Um, but Again, I guess I didn't see enough of Sherman day in and day out to really see him up close and personal against the, the top-notch wide receivers. And again, if the top-notch wide receiver was not on your side of the field, you covered the, a number two guy. I'm not impressed when you're covering a number two guy. I get impressed when you cover the number ones. Unless you play against the Buffalo Bills where they're putting out four number ones. Now, Sherman, you come over on a team-friendly deal. Yeah, we'll talk about my Hall of Fame vote. Did, did you just ignore that whole statement? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> you know, you know, you want to have that receiving core that we have in Buffalo. You know, you do. Oh yeah, who's that guy you got? Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice signing. But I, I thought your GM has done a really nice job this offseason. Yeah, I, I've been nice very guy. And you talked about it. We talked about it, you know, the day of the signing, the Mitchell Trubisky signing. It, can you get a better signing than that as your backup quarterback? Say I mean, that again. The, the signing of Trubisky was a tremendous signing by your GM. Yeah, yeah. You're paying him no money. Yep. In all honesty, if there's a 33rd team in the NFL, he's probably a starter. Yep. You're paying him, what, $2 million? To be your backup to Josh Allen, I, I thought that was a, a very smart, smart I mean, signing. I, I'll, I'll do you one better, though, Stevie D. 
you you look at all the starters. Trubisky is probably in that bottom half of the thirty-two teams. He could be a starter on for those teams. And if that's the case, if that's the case, and he's your backup and you're paying him nothing, it is a huge win. It's a huge win. Plus, what's he going to do? He's going to be under Dable. He'll be in that in that system in that quarterback room. He's going to take from everything that they were able to teach to to Josh Allen to help help him go from uh, somebody who was inaccurate and you know decision making was questionable to somebody that was you know what number two or number three in the MVP voting um, you know top top in the player the offensive player of the year voting all of those top categories you know that was able they were able to help move Josh into that realm. You take Trubisky, he's got similar skills, right? Maybe not as strong of an arm. We'll say that. But he he's a mobile guy who throws on the run. You know, whether or not he should have been, you know, drafted number two. I mean, okay, you know, we, we can have that argument and, and I won't disagree with it, you know, that he shouldn't have been. But still he was up there being ranked, you know, as a high quarterback uh coming out of college. And so to bring somebody like that, it's a win-win for both parties. I don't see him staying with Buffalo more than just the one-year deal. I I just don't, right? There's going to be money on the table for him next year that he's going to be able to capitalize on and, and you know, turn himself into a payday. Similar to like what, what Jameis Winston, right? Look how, at it the Jameis Winston side. How about this? We didn't even stop to think about this, what this could turn out to be for the Buffalo Bills. So let's say – we get into August, and a quarterback for another team goes down. Oh, right. Right? Trubisky's throwing the ball well the first two preseason games. Now, all of a sudden, somebody's throwing you a fifth-round pick or a fourth-round pick because they need a quarterback, and they want Trubisky. Now, all yeah. of a sudden, you turn a two-minute dial signing, which you didn't pay the guy anything, and you can turn that into a draft pick. I, I need more I need more than a fourth. Well, I, I don't know if you get more than a fourth for Trubisky, but – just stay with me on here. You're not getting a first rounder, all right? Listen, I've negotiated many times in Madden. I'm getting <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? There are some stupid GMs out there. Bill O'Brien. You never know. You could you could fleece Bill O'Brien. Uh, but then again, he's out of the game. Did, where did Bill O'Brien go? Didn't he go to college? I think did he, he go did. To Nick Saban. I like to say he went to Nick Saban. I think he did. You know, Bill O'Brien, we got to keep Bill O'Brien alive like Hugh, like Hugh Jackson. I mean, well, we, we make fun of Hugh Jackson, but let me tell you, Bill O'Brien is not a not – a, it's like 1B. It's how stupid Bill O'Brien is. We, we have to – well, we have to figure out where, where he sits on that list, right? Are we talking about Bill O'Brien, the coach? Or are we talking about Bill O'Brien, the – the general manager, right? You mean the you multiple have, personality guy? Yeah, him. We we have to figure that out because if we well, we all about, know he goes down as a bad GM, right? Right. So I mean, do we just you know erase that and talk about his coaching ineptness, right? A, a guy that basically has the Kansas City Chiefs dead to rights and <laughs> just gives it away. I mean, gives it away. Do we talk about that guy? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about that. He, 
I mean, you're a two-time loser. GM <laughs> and head coach. You are. And how, how you're still in football is amazing. And you're right. You know, with Alabama, as the OC in, in Alabama, we shall see. <laughs> we shall see. But we can't leave. Let's not leave the Houston Texans. Right. We have got to talk about the Houston Texans. We have got to talk about Deshaun Watson and the city of Houston, the state of Texas. I, something's going on. Something smells CBD. Something smells so bad. I mean, just just think about this. You have your franchise player or the second face of the franchise, right? Could be J.J. Watt, depending on how you want to look at it. You, you've signed him to a big deal, a big contract. Then all of a sudden, things start to take place within the organization. And then he he basically comes out and says, I don't like the way this organization is being run. I don't like that you traded my, my top receiver, my go-to guy, and got a bag of footballs. I, I'm not happy with this. And, you know, other things that are happening within the social injustices within our country, I don't like that. I don't like what the McNair family stands for and what they've been preaching. And so I think it's time for me to go. That, that's basically what happened. And, and did, am I missing anything there? No, I think you hit it. And so now there, there's back and forth in this whole offseason, and it's almost like – it, it, it's almost like a soap opera, right? That what's going back and forth. But this is a soap opera that that's like, you know, you know, when you watch a a, a movie and you fast forward and, and things are just flying by so fast and you're skipping scenes and everything else. That's what was happening because I, mean, I mean, something was happening on a daily basis, you know, to the point of you know they're hiring a coach to appease you, but they don't hire the right coach, right? They just hire a guy because he's black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, no disrespect, yes, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful there, but that's all they did. They they just said, "Well, you you've talked about um, social injustice. You you've talked about how Black Lives Matter. You talk about how uh, you know at a, at a period of time where you had protests that were saying that you know." that the lives of black people matter. And, and you were out there and you, you were kind of leading that charge. Um, and you were the face and the voice along with some of the other teammates for the Houston Texans. We don't like what you were saying, but you were out there doing that. All right. How do we appease you? Uh, let's go get David Cully. Who? Yeah. <laughs> Frank, of all the people that you could have selected. I mean, look at the top candidates. Eric Bieniemy, Right. You had Leslie Frazier. You had Todd Bowles. You had Byron Leftwich. I mean, these are all guys that were on that list of. Wait, wait a minute. He also wanted Robert Sala. Robert Sala. There you go. Another minority coach. Right, but was... he. That, but he said that's the coach he wanted. That's the guy he wanted them to bring in the interview. And by they name, didn't have, they didn't have to wait. They did not have to wait like those other guys. You had to wait till the season ended which we'll talk about, but you had to wait till the season ended. You're right. With Robert Sala, they, they were done week 17. But he specifically called out that coach too. He called out, oh no, wait a minute. He called out Eric Bieniemy. I'm sorry. 
I think Robert Sala was on that list, but he particularly called out Eric Bieniemy that he wanted to interview. Um, he wanted the team to interview Eric Bieniemy. That's what it was. It, he specifically called out Eric Bieniemy. And then you get Dave David Cully. Right, and and I don't know who David Cully is. I couldn't tell you any where he's coached anywhere in the NFL or, or college. And I don't want to take any way anything away from David Cully, but I I think it goes back to the owner of the team. Watson said, "I would like to be part of the process of finding a new GM," and the owner says, "Yes." Watson wasn't wasn't consulted for the GM role. Wait a minute. You don't remember David Cully as the quarterbacks coach for the Buffalo Bills? Uh, no. Um, and, and, and so Watson, <laughs> Watson at, at talked about head coaches and talked about he, that, again, they were going to bring him being part of the head coaching search. He specifically asked, could the team bring in Eric Bieniemy for an interview? Team ignored him on that as well. So why, if I'm Deshaun Watson, wait a minute, you're telling me that I'm going to be part of the process, but yet you don't listen to anything I have to say. Right. You're kind of discarding me. And and I think all the history that was happening with the McNairs, uh, that, 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 that name? The Mc, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all that history, bad, bad history before, I think Watson was trying to look past it Okay, they're going to listen to me. And now all of a sudden, on two occasions in recent memory, they just discard me. And and I and not good for him that he stand up and say, I don't want to play for this organization. Because, you know, everybody says, oh, my God, he's he, – if people say, oh, my God, he's spoiled, you got paid, just shut up and play. No, it has more than that. Because let me tell you, there's jobs out there that in everything that you do in life, right, whether you're making – if you're a 16-year-old kid, and you have an opportunity to make $40,000 a year at 16 years old. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm making all this money. And all of a sudden, if that company starts to treat you like, like crap and they, they, they're they promising you this and that and they go back on their word, you're, you're going to fall out of love with that company even though you're making $40,000 as a 16-year-old, right? You fast forward to, to adulthood, right? Yeah, I could be making great money for a company. But if they're telling me one thing and they do another – Am I really going to be in love with that company anymore? No. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start searching for another job. And so if if you now go to Sean Watson, yeah, he's gotten paid and he's gotten paid a lot of money. But if if your bosses are telling you one thing and they do another, you're going to feel like, wait a minute, I can't trust you anymore. So how is that any different from a pro athlete to a person having a regular job? How is that any different? I'm so I'm confused by it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and that's spot on. But now, Stevie D, here's where, I mean, it takes the ultimate soap opera twist, is that now, once there was an impasse, right, Watson, you know, kind of dug in his heels. He, he wants out, trade me. He's going to the Jets and all kinds of rumors. The McNairs and the Texans are like, no, we're not trading you. You're our quarterback. You're going to be our quarterback. Then all of a sudden, this poster guy, right? Everybody says you you are the poster of the franchise, is now being hit time after time after time, totaling 12 
accusations of some sort of sexual misconduct. Now, you know, it depending who you listen to. What I, I applaud Watson. He is vehemently denied any in all charges. He has outed uh, the attorney representing these women. And he has said that he is going to file defamation lawsuits. So I applaud that. Is I applaud it as long as it is not true. Right? You know, we have to wait for all the facts to come out. But I just find it very interesting how a friend of the McNair family, who is the attorney, representing all of these women from massage parlors, is now coming out with these accusations, right? And what do the accusations ultimately do, Stevie D? It tarnishes the character. It ruins any real chance of making a trade, right? Now the value, which may have been two firsts or three firsts or whatever it was, right, now is going down in the toilet. And now it makes it very easy for the Texans to say, we're, we're not going to trade you, right? We're not getting any value. You know, you, you you touched on it because you, you threw out many items right there, right? You, you talked about his character, and that's where I want to be, right? So let, let's say these, these our, our, our accusations are false, right? And it, it's a ploy by the Houston Texans to uh, discredit his trade value. At the end of the day, what's happened to this man is that he's what 25 years old and his name is being dragged through as a predator again if he didn't do it i don't Correct. know right Correct. all i know is that it's every day it's seven more women i mean it, I, i've never seen the list grow so fast worse than the harvey weinstein thing right um where all the women all the actresses were coming from on, on that on that jerk so all i'm saying is, is if the McNair family is behind this because of the attorney. I just worry about Sean Watson. What will he ever get his name back? Will he ever get his name back? And you know, he's got to look at his mom, right? How how does he look at his mom? Like his mom, and I know his mom probably saying, "I I know my son didn't do this." That's right. It's like, but family members, right? It's like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Like I, I couldn't imagine myself having to go through that. And 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 I don't know if Deshaun's married or not, but I, I couldn't imagine looking at my wife, my 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 parents, my sister, my nieces. Even you know, even if it's untrue, it's like, are people still going to think in the back of your mind in their minds? Well, he's just another rich athlete that got away with something. Yes. Right. And, but meanwhile, and, he didn't do it. But people, as he's walking down the street, you know. Oh my God, that's the you know that the, the the guy did all those disgusting things. Meanwhile, he didn't do it because the people won't believe it. Well, he, he got away he, because he got away with it because he's got money and he threw he threw money at, at the ladies to to walk away. Which, mind you, they're already filing civil lawsuits before they even worried about a have him getting arrested. And to me, why are you going straight to a civil lawsuit and asking for money? Why aren't you wanting the guy arrested and pushing for that? First, but but Stevie D, I was just gonna say. Now let's keep going. I know that our listeners, there's some of our listeners right now, who are saying that he's guilty. 
right? There's some of our listeners that are saying that he's innocent. And I think to your point is that we, we and this is what we do as a society, right? This is what we do as just humans. You, you without knowing all the facts, you've kind of already prejudged. You've made the decision, right? We've all become the, the judge, jury, executioner. And without that coming out, the, t- the reputation, even if, if he is innocent, if he has been completely absolved of all of that, to your point, his reputation is done, right? There's always going to be that cloud because in as much as there's those that uh, believe in his innocence and everything else, those that believe that he was guilty when he's exonerated, there's still going to be those that believe that, well, because he was an athlete, he got off, right? And that cloud's going to hang. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I just, it, it's from a, from a human standpoint, not football standpoint, from a human standpoint, it's not the same, but it may be. I, I just have in my head Brian Banks, right? Right. The girl right. lied, the, kid, the high school kid that's an All-American, D1 prospect, Sure, I mean, he's going to the NFL, right? Barring any injury in college, he was going, you know, probably first to the third round, right? All depends on how he played in college, right? But he was a no-doubter. He was going to be drafted going to the NFL. A girl from his high school with the mother cook up a scheme saying that she was raped. Mm. The kid goes, found guilty, goes to jail, misses out, what, does what, six years in jail? Yep. Then she recants. And says and got paid, mind you. Uh, there was a, a payoff. Was it an insurance payoff or somewhere? She got paid. The family she got, got paid. paid. She got paid from the school. From the school district. Thank you. I mean, she got paid millions of dollars from the school district. And then it came out after the fact. It was an all fabricated story because they wanted to make money. This guy's whole life was is destroyed. Now, I'm not going to say was destroyed. Is destroyed. Mm-hmm. His dream. And I give credit to the Atlanta Falcons. They tried. But you just can't not play football for six years um, and miss those critical development years in college and just think you're going to make an NFL team. I applaud Arthur Blank for giving him a shot. Um, It didn't work out. I think he's now, I think, coaching somewhere. Um, He is. He's doing more than coaching, I believe. I believe he is part of an advocate um, type syndicate to try to uh, free those who have been unjustly uh, imprisoned. And, and, uh, and let me tell you something. There's a lot of there's a lot of merit in in, in doing that. Yeah. Right? And and is there's uh, he's making a difference with his life, and I'm not discrediting that. But when you think of a 17 year old young man that is looking at a D1 scholarship and what could have been for his football career sure. to, to I, I, I can't even imagine. Right. So again, I'm not saying Watson is innocent. I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm just saying that if it's, if this is a, a scam, if you will, what you're doing to this young man out of a lie and for people to say I, that that's not true, that that that's not happening, or that that can't happen, that won't happen. Yeah, tell that to Brian Banks, right? Because that I mean that's the closest story I could come up with. Now again, if Deshaun did it, 
which would shock me because really, I, I, I just don't understand it. I mean, you can, I'm sure there's, there's uh, uh, escort services. You can call and get any girl you wanted. If that's what you really needed. Right? Well, you got the money to pay for it. Why would you? Hold on, hold on Steve. You, you bring that up and I'm not comparing the two, but as you go down there and you say, really, we, we have to be careful. See, I, I really want to hope for the side of innocence in that this is a fabrication from the other side, thinking that they have leverage. But, you know, you never cease to amaze at what happens. And only thing that comes to mind right now is Kellen Winslow Jr. Yeah, you got Kellen Winslow Jr. You had, what, uh, Sharper? The Sharper. Right? I mean, does it happen? Absolutely it does, right? And and I don't get why it happens. You know, there's something not right, right, (laughs) to to cause you. Just like you said, you don't have to. You don't have to. But – you know, I, I tend to believe um, I tend to believe that uh, Deshaun did not do this. I tend to believe that this is a ploy. I think timing uh, speaks volumes yeah, to yeah. to everything, right? Well, when, when did these allegations come out? How did the allegations come out, right? So it, it comes out after there's like this contentious uh, back and forth between the organization and Deshaun. It comes out initially to your point with basically extortion, saying, you know, I want X amount of dollars, not only from the litigants, but also from their 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 attorney. So you you have it on two facets. And then, you know, once they realize that you're not paying and that you're standing up, then they're like, all right, well, we're just gonna destroy your reputation. You know, this this is not the same because this doesn't have this doesn't involve a woman, but it involves my New York Yankees, my beloved Yankees, and one of my favorite players that down the pinstripes in my era since I've been alive is Dave Winfield. Dave Winfield in 1981 signed a 10-year contract with the New York Yankees. Steinbrenner wanted Winfield, covered him, paid him, made him the highest paid player in the game. There was a clause in the contract that Steinbrenner didn't realize was in the contract and he wasn't happy about it. Okay. And he tried to get Winfield. He wanted to tear up the contract and redo the contract. And Winfield said, no, at that point in time, that put a mark on on David Winfield in his Yankee career. Okay. His first full year with the Yankees was 81. Okay. And 81 was a strike year. That's when they did the, the teams with the best record in the first half teams that, had the second uh, the second half best record, they met in the playoffs. Yankees wound up beating the Royals. No, I think it was the A's. I think it was the A's in the playoffs. Excuse me. It was the A's in the playoffs. They beat them. Winfield actually had a decent uh, playoff series. In October, he went well, like one for 18 in the World Series against the Dodgers. The Yankees lost four games to two. They were up two games in that World Series. They lost the next four. Winfield goes one for 18. Steinbrenner calls him Mr. May. So if people have ever heard the story, Steinbrenner called him Mr. May. Reggie was Mr. October because Steinbrenner says uh, Winfield only shows up in the month of May. He doesn't show up in the month of October. So he's making fun of him. He called him May. So stay with me. I know it's you're going to say, where are you going with this? Towards the end of his playing career, Steinbrenner hired 
a guy named Howard Spira to dig up information on Dave Winfield's foundation to try and discredit Winfield and get his contract voided. And it's almost, it's because it's different because this involves ladies, but you mentioned this lawyer and some involvement with the owners there. There's a precedent where an owner has done it. Right, because Steinbrenner did it to Winfield. Steinbrenner wound up getting suspended, technically for life, in baseball in 1989 or 1990. One of those years, he got suspended. No, I think it came through in, in 92. I'm sorry, he got suspended to 92, and it carried out through 94. He returned in 95, and he he got reinstated. But the, the point is, is that he went behind, hired somebody, tried to dig things up on Dave Winfield, got caught, and got suspended as an owner. In, day, in today's day and age, he would be forced to sell the team. Steinbrenner wasn't forced to sell the team. But we all know what's in the last few years, when an owner does something, you're, you're pretty much told to sell the team because mm-hmm. you're a detriment to the, to the league. Now, you fast forward from 1990. 1990 when the investigation started right you you fast forward now to to the texans if the owner has done that the owner should be not only should be thrown in jail but should be forced to sell the organization i don't if if that attorney is in bed with this with the owner to to find to do this to deshaun watson all to get him to stay with the franchise we're, we're talking about the houston based attorney tony busby family friend of the mcnairs (laughs) <laughs> Which I don't think many people know that 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 he's that the attorney is family friends with the owner, okay. And people that say, "Oh, the Texans wouldn't do that," well, let me I me tell you, as a Yankee fan, I lived through it, and I got to tell you, I have to be honest with you, it was the the three best years of the Yankees organization with George Steinbrenner suspended because he stopped trading the young kids and they were <laughs> developing the Bernie Williams, the Derek Jeters, the Andy Pettits, the Mariano Rivera's, the Jorge Posadas. They were able to develop, keep those guys, and bring them up through the minors. So that was the best thing that ever happened to the Yankee franchise with Steinbrenner getting suspended. But there's presidents of owners doing some shady business and getting caught. So don't think that the Houston owner could is all innocent in all this. I'm not saying he's guilty, but I wouldn't put it past the owner to do that. Well, we're going to see what happens, you know, just as we were talking uh, the number has gone from 12 to 15. There's three more that have come out. Uh, there's some details that have come out about, um, you know, one of the women uh, saying that she asked uh, Watson for $30,000 to remain silent, but yet said it was consensual. I, I don't know what happened. Um you don't know what happens, DVD, and, and our listeners really don't know what happened, right? There's always three sides to a story. Um, we can only let this play out, but, uh, you know, it. to your point, if, if the McNairs are behind this, Goodell needs to issue a punishment like he's never done before. He needs to step up. You know, there's another name, another face that needs to go on this wall, DVD. That's Roger Goodell, but he he need, he needs to do something that he has never done before, and that that's actually 
be a commissioner, not be beholden to the owners. You know, if you say that you're there to protect the shield, then, you know, one of those owners has done something to jeopardize the shield and, and you need to do what's right. In, in all fairness, on the other side, if Watson uh, is truly guilty of all this, and, and that's how I'll wrap it up. If he's guilty of this, then, you know, then whatever punishment comes his way uh, is just, right? Because you, you don't do that. But so CBD, you know, we're, we're going to follow that. I mean, there's so many things that are happening in the, in the NFL. The season never stops right you you have the the last game of the season you think you know i'm going to take some time off and next thing you know we have the college bowl, you know all-star bowls and then you have pro days matter of fact the guy who i want i'm telling you now kyle pitts you you need to become a buffalo bill brandon bean i i've already given you you know the moniker of being just a genius well, let, let's turn that being a genius really from being a prophecy into something that is true and real, my friend. Go get Kyle Pitts. Uh, he, he will not be with the Buffalo Bills. He, he, he will be a New York Jet. No. Because the no. Jets are going to trade down to a team that needs a quarterback. No. Like with Carolina at eight, and the Jets are going to take Pitts with the eighth pick. Not, not, not going to happen. We're, we're moving up from 30. Not, not going to happen. We're giving up everything. We're trading Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever else capital we can get. Stevie D at his pro day, 6'6", 240, runs a 4'4", You know, this reminds me of spring break, 1994, Daytona Beach. No, excuse me, spring break, 1995. I remember it so vividly down in Daytona Beach. And the NFL draft. And we're chanting in the room, Warren Sapp, Warren Sapp, because he's falling because of some weed smoking. Warren Sapp. And a Jet Select, tight end, Penn State, Kyle Pitt, I mean, Kyle Brady. Uh, (laughs) So I am scarred for life for tight ends. I'm scarred for life talking about a tight end in the first round. But at six foot four, 244, and runs a 440. Yeah, I, I I could think about uh, Kyle Pitts being a a first round pick for the New York Jets. Yeah, I made I made this statement yesterday in a conversation I was having. I I know I he hasn't played it down in the NFL. I get that, but if you look at just his measurables, if you look at the tape of what he did in college, I don't think he dropped a pass, Stevie D, in college. He's got the size, he's got the weight, he's got the speed, he's got the wingspan. His catch radius is out of this world. He could go down as the greatest tight end ever, and he could put up numbers similar to some of the best wide receivers ever. You know, there's been many a draft where a player was touted that way. No doubt. And they haven't done a darn thing. Now, that, that, and that's why I said, you know, he hasn't played it down yet. I get that, but just, I mean, think think about the the matchup nightmare that this kid presents. You can't put a corner. Corners in the league are what five nine to maybe six foot. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think him going to the right organization with the right system and quarterback that can get him the ball to do those special things, right? Yes, get, well, you know, and, you, and you're right. 
it, it, that that's a fair point. I mean, and, and to that, you know, if you don't have the adequate weapons, you don't have to have all pros, but adequate weapons, then all of a sudden coverage changes, right? You're able to roll safeties. You're able to double similar to what they do to Kelsey, but he's bigger, faster, better than Kelsey. If you don't have a running game, then all of a sudden that safety doesn't have to cheat down into the box. Now you can cover out over the top, right? There's different things that happen where you have to be in the right system. You're absolutely right. And you have to have the right quarterback who just believes in feeding you the ball. <laughs> right. But even at that, I mean, throw the guy, you know, you know, seven, seven looks, have him get five. If he's averaging 15 to 20 yards a catch, you're, you're hundred yards a game. I think about that I, with potentially one, one touch, maybe two a game. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it, Buffalo, Brandon Bean, do what you have to do. Just get there. Just get there. You know that tight end is a need. Yes, Dawson Knox has been nice, but oh, my goodness. <laughs> my goodness. All right, CVD, I have to go. <laughs> I have to go. That, that is, that's what I want. I, I don't ask every draft. I don't ask. Sometimes I do. Right. And when I do, I'm really asking this time. I'm really asking being go get pits. That, that's all I'm asking for. I feel better now, Stevie D. I'm glad you feel better. <laughs> so, Stevie D, that, that's going to wrap it up for us here. And, you know, we tell all of our listeners, uh, you know, you can check us out on your favorite podcast and platform. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Uh, hit us up uh, at Twitter at Real OW Sports, and of course, you can go to our website, officialwordsports.com, uh, or go to our Facebook page. Uh, just look for Official Word Sports. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and it's always fun to be on the mic and to be able to talk a little sports, talk about the Buffalo Bills, talk about the Buffalo Bills drafting uh, Mr. Kyle Pitts. Yes, oh. yeah, yes, we we appreciate that. I'm just gonna keep saying it until it happens. So <laughs> for Stevie D, I'm Vince. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>